Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking newspaper for the week ending Saturday the 12th of March 2022. This is Andrew and your other readers are Jane, Kyle and Pam. And we welcome Kyle and Pam standing in for Team 4 regulars John and Jean. The editor this week is Eleanor who is standing in for Mary. And we are Team 4 but with some substitutions. Most of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442 unless stated otherwise. This week's headline is Overwhelming Support Pours In for Ukraine. This and other stories follows. Here is the news. Hello, my name is Jane. Volunteers have been overwhelmed by the public's response to an appeal for help to support Ukrainian refugees. So many vital items have been donated to an appeal in Hemel and Kings Langley that three vans and an 18-ton truck have already been filled and dispatched. More lorries are due to go out this week as the donations continue to pour in. It has exploded, said John Andrews of Kings Langley one of the volunteers coordinating the appeal which was launched through social media. Everything you can think of has been donated, including medical stuff. It has gone absolutely haywire. I would like to thank the community of Hemel Hempstead and Kings Langley. I have had so many people come up to me asking if they can help. I felt I had to do something. So I contacted Clint Whitaker, a friend of mine who is the landlord of the Monks Inn in Hemel and the Monks Buttery Pub in Kings Langley. We started taking donations and it went from there. To begin with, we received a few boxes and bags, but it wasn't long before my living room and both pubs were swamped. The vans, which have also been donated, were soon filled to the brim. The donations have included clothes, underwear, socks, colouring books and pens, sleeping bags, duvets, blankets, pillows and sheets, first aid kits, toiletries, torches, batteries, nappies and dry sanitary products. They will all find their way to Poland, where many of the Ukrainian refugees, mostly women and children, are fleeing to. Two members of the Polish community in the Hemel area, Arta Blasiak and Justina McClever, have helped John and Clint. The vans and trucks are being driven to the White Eagle Club, a Polish community centre in Balham, South London, which is overseeing a huge appeal for Ukraine help. Hello, this is Kyle speaking, continuing on the story. Meanwhile, a man with a van has driven more than 1,800 miles in three days to help Ukrainian refugees. Hotelier Paul Kenwright, boyfriend of Hemel Hempstead businesswoman Angeline Cottrell, is driving his van across Europe to transport, transport vital supplies donated by members of the public to a refugee centre in Poland for fleeing women and children. And he is currently taking stranded Ukrainians, Ukrainian families from the Polish border to safe places across Europe in search of a new home. It was an extraordinary and potentially dangerous mission, but Paul, who used to run a company called Virtual Computer Games with a chain shop in the Bracknell area, is no stranger to intrepid adventure. Angeline describes him as a real man who can. He enjoys off-roading in his Jeep. He races his Golf GTI car at top tracks such as Alton Park in Cheshire and in the past he has raced in speedboats and run the London Marathon. He steered his van from France through Belgium, the Netherlands and Germany before arriving at the refugee centre in the Polish town of Buelva. The trek amounted to 980 miles in 30 hours. Once hundreds of boxes of supplies had been unloaded, Paul grabbed a few hours sleep before hitting the road again. This time, he was off to the Polish border with Ukraine, where another hub for refugees was awaiting his help. Paul describes this hub as a real hellhole, said Angeline. It is freezing cold and there are people outside cooking on barrels of flames. He says it is uncoordinated chaos and he is shocked as and he is shocked at what he can see. Paul is expected to be at the hub until the end of the week 
transporting refugees to various towns and cities of safety. He feels he is doing what he, he needs to be done, she added. Wherever he needs to go, he will go. However, everyone's kindness and generosity has been overwhelming, not just with their financial donations, but also with their love and messages. Thanks to everyone who has sent a contribution or well wishes. If you would like to make a financial donation to Paul's humanitarian mission, you can do so via PayPal to retroking2000 at live.co.uk. The receipt you get back will say Virtual Computer Games, the name of Paul's former business. Any money left over will go over to refugees. Hello, this is Pam. A brand new leisure centre is coming to Hemel Hempstead this spring, including an inflatable obstacle course, dodgeball arena, beach bar and more. Cloud Nine is set to open at Jarman Park in April and will include a huge sports arena, shooting gallery, gladiator duel, surf simulator and more. There's even a human version of Hungry Hungry Hippos plus beach bar and guest DJs, live music and bar games. And the range of activities is so vast, Cloud9 says its extreme air park will reg regularly change its features, combining the fun and challenge of TV hits, Ninja Warrior, Gladiators and Total Wipeout. The Hemel Hempstead location will be the first permanent Cloud9 venue in the UK, Co-founders Andrew Fairnington and Megan Thomas said, After an amazing response from the public at our pop-up, we are now incredibly excited that our vision will become a reality when we open the first permanent Cloud9 venue in the UK this spring. It will be a spectacular destination for all ages, with a huge variety of activities, a fully stocked licensed bar and delicious cafe. Andrew originally qualified as a chartered accountant before moving into investment banking, but as a dad of two, lover of sports and personal experience as a dad of indoor leisure experiences, he says creating Cloud9 was a no-brainer. Meanwhile, Megan is a professional prosthetics and makeup artist in the film and TV industry. As active parents of four children between them, Megan and Andrew wanted to create a new, exciting, healthy leisure experience that would appeal to both adults and children. The venue will have a tropical-themed interior design and a mezzanine level with an in-house restaurant and fully stocked licensed beach bar, open late into the evenings. General admission to the Extreme Air Park is £12.50 an hour, which can be added to a party package which starts from £7 per person. The venue will be open Wednesday to Sunday during term time and every day except Tuesdays during school holidays. Inflatable sessions are hourly, on the hour. The final session of every day, which runs from 7pm to 8pm, is adults only. Sainsbury's is set to close its cafe in major shake-up plans. Staff at Hemel Sainsbury's in Apsley Mills have been told of plans to close the store's cafe as part of a major shake-up across the group. The move, which will put 2,000 jobs at risk across the country, is part of a wider plan to transform Sainsbury's eat-in, take-away and home delivery food and drink offering. In its place, Sainsbury's, in partnership with Boparan Restaurant Group, plans to open 30 restaurant hubs after a successful trial in Birmingham. Their customers will be offered eat-in, take-away and home-delivered hot food and drink from brands including Café Carluccio's, Gourmet Burger Kitchen, Ed's Diner and Slim Chickens. At the same time, Sainsbury's will also open a further 30 Starbucks coffee shops in its supermarkets in the next 12 months, bringing the total number of Starbucks in its supermarkets to 60. It's not known whether Hemel's London Road Store will get a Starbucks coffee shop at this stage. The closures will be as soon as April. Simon Roberts, Sainsbury's chief executive officer, said, We have spoken to all colleagues affected by these changes today and are absolutely committed to supporting them in any way we can during this uncertain time. 
Of course, we understand this is very unsettling for our colleagues, but we must keep adapting our business to make sure we are offering customers the best possible food and drink at affordable prices. Ground officially broken at new crematorium. Construction of the new West Hearts crematorium has been marked with a ground-breaking ceremony on March 1st. The ceremony was attended by members of the West Hearts Crematorium Joint Committee and council leaders, all representing the five local authorities involved in the project. The facility will be a sister site to the current West Hearts Crematorium in Garston, Watford, and is being developed to provide additional capacity in the West Hertfordshire region. Work started on site in November last year and is expected to be completed by early spring next year featuring a Remembrance Chapel that sits within extensive landscaped grounds on land adjacent to the new Poppy Field Cemetery at Bedmond Road by Bunkers Park, the new crematorium in the area will reduce the time that families have to wait to schedule a funeral for a loved one. It will also enhance the quality of service provided to bereaved families by increasing service times from 40 to 60 minutes, so there is more time for individual ceremonies. Leader of Decorum Borough Council, Councillor Andrew Williams, who attended the ceremony, said, This groundbreaking event is a significant milestone, and I am pleased our new crematorium will be a valuable community asset that local people will be proud of. We cannot remove the pain of bereavement, but we hope that by offering a tranquil and serene place to commemorate loved ones, will help make the process a little less stressful. West Hearts Crematorium Joint Committee, which includes representatives from all of the local councils in the area and oversees the management and the operation of the existing crematorium in Garston, will also manage the new facility. It will operate on the same basis as the existing crematorium, with services running Monday to Friday and general inquiries on Saturdays. Enforcement patrols are set to start at Decorum sports pitches and playgrounds. Decorum Borough Council has asked its partner, District Enforcement, to start patrolling the areas at weekends, saying litter has continuously been left after games at weekends. It says it is seeing increasing amounts of litter, with the problem being highlighted by their own clean, safe and green team, as well as local sports clubs and, bo and the Boxmore Trust. Most of the litter is made up of discarded plastic sports drinks bottles, cans, coffee cups and food wrappers on football and rugby pitches, which the council says are clearly being left by players and spectators. Julie Banks, portfolio holder for community and regulatory services, said, It's appalling that our pitches and playgrounds, which are a vital resource that supports the health and well-being of residents, are being left strewn with ru rubbish over the weekend. I know many individuals and teams take responsibility for cleaning up the pitches, but recently we have seen problems increase. We have asked district enforcement to patrol these areas as a result to make sure that we send a clear message that we respect our parks and public spaces and that littering will not be tolerated. We are asking members of the public to please take your own rubbish away with you or put it in a nearby bin to keep the area tidy for everyone. The district enforcement officers have the power to issue on-the-spot fixed penalty notices of £80 if they witness people littering, failing to clean up after their dog or breaching local public space protection orders. For more information about the public space protection orders, visit www.decorum.gov.uk forward slash district enforcement. Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service has a pawsome new recruit, Loki the Apprentice Fire Investigation Dog. The dog has been drafted in as an apprentice to Rex, who is one of the UK Fire Service's longest serving fire investigation dogs with a string of successful cases to his name. 
After a decade of faithful service, Rex will soon be putting his paws up and letting Loki, named after the famous Marvel character, take over. Just like his more experienced colleague, Loki underwent a rigorous vetting and selection process. The youngster will be using his superhuman powers to sniff out the causes of fires and is one of only 16 fire investigation dogs in the country who is specially trained to detect accelerants which include liquids such as petrol, white spirit and lighter fluid. During his impressive career in the fire service, Loki's predecessor, Rex, has provided evidence from fire scenes resulting in a combined total of over 250 years of imprisonment for convicted offenders. Rex has not only proved to be an asset to the communities of Hertfordshire, but much further afield, assisting other fire and rescue and police services across East Anglia and beyond. During his working life, he has attended in excess of 500 fires. Proud handler, Nicky Harvey, arson liaison officer for Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service, said, we are delighted to welcome Loki into the fire service to continue Rex's sterling work. Despite being only three months old, Loki is already showing enormous potential and is progressing really well in his training. I'm sure he'll follow the lead of Rex, who is held in such high esteem by all who meet him and are fortunate to see him at work, especially children. We have every hope that Loki will be another great asset to the fire service, as well as a fantastic role model for the younger members of the community. And to continue that story, sadly, Hertfordshire's most recent fire dog recruit, Thor, passed away in November due to medical issues. Computer Centre UK, who have sponsored Hertfordshire's Fire Dog since 2000, wanted to remember Thor as they chose a new name for the fire pup. Claire Rafferty, head of corporate events at Computer Centre, said, We believe the name we chose is certainly fitting, as Loki is the adopted brother of Thor. Councillor Morris Bright, MBE, Hertfordshire County Council's Executive Member for Public Health and Community Safety, said... We're very excited about the appointment of Loki, whose crucial work will involve using his superior sense of smell and donning his protective boots to search fire scenes when the area has completely cooled down. This vital work assists fire investigators to establish the origin and cause of fires to determine if a fire is deliberate, and the evidence that he provides is crucial in securing convictions for arson cases. As well as being critical to a number of high-profile investigations, including numerous fatal fires, murders and attempted murder investigations, one of Rex's biggest highlights was locating a dog trapped in the debris of a house explosion. Nikki said, In February 2014, we assisted our colleagues in Essex Fire and Rescue Service at the scene of a house explosion attending two days after the blast. While Rex was searching the remains of the house, we were alerted to the sound of a whimpering-type noise. Rex immediately located the area where the noise was coming from, and to my absolute astonishment, I could see a dog's head amongst the debris. My fellow fire investigators and I cleared the rubble around her and out popped the head of a four-year-old border collie called Cariad. The dog was coaxed out with some dog treats and was found to be suffering from dehydration and a cut to her leg. Nikki said, Locating trapped persons and animals isn't something that Rex is trained to do, as that isn't part of his role. But I think that his dog instincts kicked in in that day, and he managed to find her and alert me to her whereabouts. Without him being there that day, I firmly believe that she may never have been alive, found. So I am so proud of him. Follow Loki on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at HeartsFireDog. New charity gives old sports shoes a new lease of life. A new charity has officially launched, collecting pre-loved sports shoes and giving them to children and adults in need. One Impossible Thing was granted charity status by the Charity Commission and celebrated at an event last week. Local mum, Nikki, spoke about how the charity has helped her family. I have two sons aged 15 and 10 who were both sports mad. 
I lost, lost my job in travel due to coronavirus, and although I was fortunate to find another job quickly, it was not the same salary as I was previously on. As a lone parent, the financial strain of sports shoes on top of football subs and the rising cost of living was overwhelming. As the boys' feet grow, it can feel never-ending, especially when sometimes they need a couple of pairs of boots each football season. Now, one impossible thing is officially a charity. It is holding a fundraiser. Fiona Folks, founder of One Impossible Thing, said, We desperately need a place to store all our sports shoes so we can check them, clean them, and pack them up to distribute them out to people and organisations that need them. At the moment, everything is stored in my house. The fundraising challenge, One Impossible Week, challenges you to run or walk five kilometres every day for a week and ask friends and family to sponsor you. And when you register for the challenge, you'll receive a free pair of One Impossible Things green and white stripy socks. The challenge takes place from Saturday, March 12th to Saturday, March 19th. To sign up, email contact at the digit one, so one impossible thing dot com. If you have any pre-loved trainers, football boots, rugby boots or Astros, you can drop off in one impossible things recycling bins located at the Hemel Sports Centre, the XC Centre and our gym. Cyclists will be putting their pedal power to the test as the iconic Hemel Hill Buster returns this spring. Hundreds of passionate cyclists from the home counties and beyond will be challenging themselves at, at the popular sportive and helping raise money for a great cause, with all proceeds going to dens. Run in association with British Cycling, the Hill Buster takes place on Sunday, April the 24th, over the stunning Chiltern Hills and through beautiful historic villages. Cyclists can choose between 100k and 60k routes, starting and finishing in Hemel Hempstead's Gaybridge Park, with both courses designed to challenge experienced cyclists up tough climbs and along scenic springtime countryside. New for this year, Dens has introduced a 25k course in, to inspire those just getting into cycling and wanting to find out more about sportives. As part of British Cycling's Breeze programme, there's also a women's only 25k ride, which aims to inspire females of all ages and abilities to discover the joy of riding a bike. Highlights across all routes include challenging hills for varying skill levels, a number of well-stocked feed stations and the chance to celebrate at the end of the ride with a well-deserved beer and burger. Sponsoring this year's event is Lovelow Cycle Works in Berkhamsted. Watford FC and its commercial partner Allen Day Group are also sponsoring the event and have contributed some fantastic auction prizes for fans of the Hornets, including a matchday hospitality experience for two and a signed home shirt. Bidding for these unique prizes is open to the public. All proceeds raised from the Hill Buster will support Dens in its mission to help rebuild the lives of people facing homelessness, poverty and social exclusion. Wendy Lewington, Den CEO, said the Hillbuster is such a positive event for our community. It's always a joy to see the camaraderie of the cyclists that venture from near and far to take part, while also helping to support vulnerable local people. Sign up or place a bid in the auction at dens.org.uk forward slash cycle. Police Community Support Officers, PCSOs, could soon return to the corridors and playgrounds of the county's schools, according to plans drawn up by Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd. Once a familiar face around Hertfordshire schools, in recent years their numbers in schools have dwindled, but proposals from Commissioner Mr Lloyd 
include plans for 20 new PCSOs to be based in and around schools or other educational institutions in the county. In making the case for the new PCSOs, Mr Lloyd stresses that he is not suggesting that criminality is taking place in the county's schools, but he does point to data that shows most perpetrators of crime are under 25 years old. And highlighting the constabulary's prevention-first approach, he suggests schools are a great place to start working with young people. It's not about trying to arrest people or anything like that, he tells the local Demo democracy reporting service. It's about trying to engage and prevent people from coming to harm. I think there is a change that has been made over the last year or so, and in, in that we recognise that the role of police is to prevent crime, rather than, just after a crime has happened, turning up. And I think that this just builds on that. And clearly, if we want to prevent crime, now and in future generations, the place to start is with our young people. PCSOs don't have the same warranted powers to arrest, to stop and search, or to enter property as police officers. But, says Mr Lloyd, they are about getting to know a community and acting as a conduit between police and community, and he believes their presence in schools will be welcomed by head teachers. And to continue that, the schools were quite sad when the funding stopped for PCSOs 10 or 15 years ago, Mr Lloyd said, because they felt that it was really useful having a representative of a constabulary coming into their schools just to support the work that we do. Mr Lloyd acknowledges that in recent years there's been a trend away nationally from PCSOs generally, with some forces seeing it as an easy cut to make. But he says they're a brilliant way of increasing police visibility whether out on the streets or in schools. We wanted to try and hang on to them as long as we could, so we managed to hang on to them in a way that other places haven't, he said. And I certainly never looked on them as a place for making budget savings, and I'm delighted that we're increasing the number. I'm very much hopeful that other parts of the country will see the light on this and do the same thing, because I think it's a good way of doing it. Further details about the proposals for PCSOs in schools are expected to be included in the Commissioner's Police and Crime Plan when it's published later this month in March. And the proposals will be considered by the next meeting of the Hertfordshire Police and Crime Panel on March the 17th. Meanwhile, the move has already been backed by the Hertfordshire Constabulary. A spokesperson for the Constabulary told the Local Democracy Reporting Service the reintroduction of dedicated PCSOs working with schools is very welcome and fits in with Hertfordshire Constabulary's prevention-first approach of early intervention and problem-solving. And this week in history. March 8, 1983, President Ronald Reagan called the Soviet Union an evil empire. On this day last year, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's televised interview with Oprah Winfrey unleashed a dramatic set of bombshell revelations. March 9, 1956, Britain deported Archbishop Makarios from Cyprus for actively fostering terrorism. March 10, 1914, the Rokeby Venus by Velasque in London's National Gallery was damaged by suffragettes. On this day last year, Danish toy giant Lego revealed its fastest growth for five years, thanks to soaring demand from families during lockdown. March 11, 1925, No No Nanette was premiered at the Palace Theatre London with Binnie Hale playing Nanette. March 12, 1941, the original incident used in Compton Mackenzie's Whiskey Galore occurred in the Hebrides when a cargo ship ran aground with her holds full of whiskey. Islanders hid the quarter of a million bottles from customs officers. On this day last year, a methane gas explosion killed six coal miners overnight in Pakistan's southwestern Baluchistan province near the Afghan border. March 13, 1947, the government announced a midweek ban on sport to try to boost productivity.
Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on, letters to the editor, and any more news. There will be a temporary closure of Dodds Lane, Great Gaddesdon, from 30th of March, in order to replace the telegraph pole. Part of Cross Oak Road, Berkhamsted, will be closed from 14th of March. Peascroft Road, Hemel Hempstead, will be closed from 14th of March for works to utilities. Shooter's Way, Berkhamsted, will be closed from 14th of March due to works to the water supply. And Spring Lane, Hemel Hempstead, will be closed from 10th March in order to install a new utility pole. Restrictions shall only take effect at times indicated by signs on or near the roads involved. There's a spring concert on Sunday the 27th of March at 5.30pm by Music at St John's. The planned Glittering New Year concert unfortunately had to be postponed, but instead a spring concert of light music aimed at all the family will be presented at St John's Church in Boxmoor by Music at St John's on March the 27th, 2022 at 5.30pm. Given by the St John's Orchestral Ensemble, conducted by Keith Beniston. An added attraction is that tea and cakes will be served before the concert from 4pm in the hall. The programme will feature a host of light and accessible music with more than a hint of Vienna of the Strauss family. A key item will be the graceful and energetic trumpet concerto in E-flat by Haydn, played by David Marley, a regular member of the ensemble. The concert will also dip into the world of musicals such as Fiddler on the Roof and Camelot with baritone Thomas Isherwood. A variety of other items will include the Emperor Waltz, Strauss, the original Onyedin line theme, the Adagio from Spartacus by Kachaturian, the Radetzky March, Strauss, Farnon's Westminster Waltz and the Overture to the White Horse Inn by Stoltz. Tickets are £15 for adults and £5 for children under 16 and can be purchased online via Ticketsource at the web address ticketsource.co.uk forward slash music hyphen at hyphen St. John's and the saint is just written ST. Further details are available on the Music at St. John's website masj.org.uk. Music. Barb Junger, Forgetful Heart, Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, March 19th. With Forgetful Heart, Barb continues her love affair with the work of two of the most important songwriters of the 20th century. Through the lockdown, she thought about love, and in particular the love songs of Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen, from their earliest explorations to their most recent recordings. Working with her long-standing collaborator, Jenny Carr, Barb will include Forgetful Heart, What Happens to the Heart, If You Gotta Go, Go Now, I've Made Up My Mind to Give Myself to You, and So Long, Marianne, Among More Treasures. The New York Times said Barb interprets Dylan and Cohen's work with a ferocity and truthfulness that demolishes every cover version you've ever heard. Visit Old Town Hall. .co.uk to book. Music. The Nick Ross Orchestra. The Glenn Miller and, and Rat Pack Era. Grove Theatre, Dunstable, March 12th. Recapture the sounds of a bygone era as the Nick Ross Orchestra brings the classic big band sound of the 1940s and the 50s to Dunstable for an evening of music and song. The band has recorded a tribute to Glenn Miller at Abbey Road Studios, where Glenn Miller made his last known recording on Monday, November 27, 1944 just a few short weeks before he disappeared on December 15th on that same year. Visit grovetheatre.co.uk or call 01582602080 to book or for more information. Family Theatre. Peppa Pig's Best Day Ever. 
Milton Keynes Theatre, March the 15th and 16th. Peppa Pig is excited to be going on a special day out with George, Mummy Pig and Daddy Pig. It's going to be her best day ever. Get ready for a road trip full of fun adventures. From castles to caves, dragons to dinosaurs and ice creams to muddy puddles. There is something for all the family and their friends to enjoy. Including Miss Rabbit, Mr Bull, Susie Sheep, Gerald Giraffe and more. Over the past 10 years, Peppa Pig Live has created six productions which have been enjoyed by over one and a half million people. Visit atgtickets.com to book. The obituaries on the family announcement page this week are Brian Kayser, age 73, of Tring, Albert Edward Lee, 87, of Hemel Hempstead, Patricia Mary Proctor, who's 92, of Pouchenend, and William James Scott, known as Bill, who was 91. May they all rest in peace. And now we come to letters to the editor. The first is from J. Batty of Berkhamsted. I was surprised and disappointed by the quality of response to Mr. Glatter's recent letter from the Chief Medical Officer of West Hearts Teaching Hospitals, reportedly the highest paid employee in the NHS, earning almost twice as much as the Prime Minister. It is worth pointing out that not every patient travels to hospital in an ambulance, and that if patients in West Hearts do require an ambulance, they will be taken to Watford General as a matter of course. As for the argument that residents of West Hearts are well served by a network of hospitals with emergency care services, and so the case for relocating ours does not stack up, the logic escapes me totally. Is not Watford itself in West Hearts? The spurious linkage being attempted between the availability of alternative facilities and relocation applies just as much to Watford as to any other part of West Hearts. Such a shortfall in rational argument merely serves to epitomise the Watford-centric focus of the Trust. The real issue remains the suitability or otherwise of the Watford site. Common Sense endorses Mr Aylett's comments about relative safety for patients. How can five years of chaotic redevelopment at Watford be safer than construction on a clear site? The credibility of any case which the CMO puts forward will not be helped as long as, after more than 20 years of WHHT's stewardship, its current CQC rating remains, requires improvement. In the next letter, C. Yearwood, a registered nurse, asks, Is safety really a priority? I refer to Chief Medical Officer of West Hertfordshire Hospital's NHS Trust, Dr. Van der Watt's letter in the Gazette of February 23rd. His statement of, I simply couldn't support anything I didn't think was safe, is fitting of a trained member of the medical profession, why, then, does he persist in keeping West Hertfordshire's only A&E hospital next door to a Premier League football club? Does he, think it is safe to, does he think it is safe to have women in labour trying to get to the maternity department when the doors are blocked by the traffic of thousands of football supporters? Why did he and his, and his fellow health bosses apply for planning permission for three skyscraper towers in which, the, in which to place West Hertfordshire's unwell when Hertfordshire Fire and Rescue Service's tallest ladder cannot possibly reach them? Does he think this is safe? Dr Van der Watt should also not be directing West Hertfordshire's residents away from West Hertfordshire to alternative hospitals. I would remind Dr Van der Watt that he is a Chief Medical Officer for the whole of West Hertfordshire and as such has a duty of care to all patients and residents of West Hertfordshire. I am also sure he is aware that if a West Hearts resident has med medical emergency, 
the East of England Ambulance Service will not take them to Stoke Mandeville Hospital, but will take them to Watford General Hospital regardless of accessibility issues for their anxious next of kin. As a practice nurse, having worked for many years in surgeries in Hemel Hempstead and Berkhamsted, I have heard many patients lament that they have had such difficulties getting to and from poorly located Watford, Watford General Hospital, where they have been sent for their treatment. We desperately need a brand new 21st century acute general hospital in a more accessible position for all the residents of West Hertfordshire. This would be far more cost effective than piecemeal part rebuild, part refurbishment of Watford General Hospital on its very cramped site. It would also be paying due respect to all the taxpayers of West Hertfordshire who fund the very generous salaries of our health leaders. Why would an intelligent doctor who is supposed to care for the patients and residents of West Hertfordshire not want this better and safer solution? Could it be that he and his fellow health bosses have entered into a profit-sharing agreement with the developer's care property for use of the hospital land, which is preventing his proper consideration of better and safer solutions. In the last letter, Philip Parry of Southwest Hearts Labour Party writes, Someone stopped me in the Marlows at the weekend and said, I suppose you lot support the Russians. It really upset me that anybody should think that I or the Labour Party could possibly support this horrendous and unjustified war which is leading to so many deaths and terrible hardship. Just to be clear, the Labour Party is trying its best to persuade the government to take the harshest and most severe economic and political sanctions against Putin and his cronies and to take steps to ensure that our country is no longer the money launderer of choice for corrupt politicians and businesses. But just as important is that we should offer sanctuary to all Ukrainians who request it, and they be allowed to work and enjoy the same benefits as EU citizens. The government should also provide generous humanitarian aid to those who decide to stay in their homeland. I think most of your readers would agree with these aims. And now for some sports news. And in athletics, the Berkhamsted Half Marathon was one of the last to take place before the first lockdown in March 2020. And it returned on Sunday, with over 50 Gade Valley Harriers taking part in it and the five-mile fun run. Both races started at Berkhamsted Cricket Club near the historic castle. Instead of running, one member took part in the Scottish Winter Swimming Championships, a 450-metre endurance swim in Loch Tay. Supported by Helen Heathcote, she finished in 11 minutes 29 seconds. The Burko race has always been organised by the Rotary Club of Berkhamsted and has a long history of raising money for local charities such as the Pepper Foundation and the Hospice of St Francis. This year, Gade Valley Harriers were asked to provide support to the race and were happy to provide, with help from Decorum AC, the water stop at Ashridge Management College. Paul Mosley, Mary McCluskey, Emma Cooper, Paula Cook, and Lisa Bartlett from GVH, and Jason Hawkridge from Decorum AC handed out the water and the jelly babies at about 10 miles. Some of the GVH runners chose to do the five miles as they come back to full fitness, while it's also an opportunity to run with their children. Anthony Wilcox at 33 minutes, Simon Wallace 35.09 and Lisa Newing 35.01 all recorded superb times for the five-mile distance. Sue Crowther was running with daughter Imogen, who upstaged her by 95 seconds in 39.08. Michelle Wells, son Harry and Kirsty Hardiman also took part. And in football, an injury time leveller by Barton Rovers saw second-placed Berkhamsted lose grounds, drawing two all in the Southern League division. One central promotion race, but AFC Dunstable, the third-placed side, also drew. 
The home side got off to a good start on eight minutes when Ben Woolster was fed the ball by Ali Bangura and the overlapping fullback was brought down in the penalty box as a second defender cut across him. Chase Grant was fit to return for Burko and he converted the spot kick. However, on the half-hour mark, Tony Burnett, equalised for Rovers against his old club Rovers, also had a plausible penalty appeal turned down. Five minutes from the break, JJ Lacey finished with a well-placed shot from the right of the box after being picked out by Lucas Kirkpatrick to put the comrades back in front at 2-1. In the second half, Ali Bangura dribbled through the defence and was brought down for another penalty. This time, Boylan dived to the top corner and pulled off a wonderful save for Rovers. The turning point was then Lucas Kirkpatrick getting sent off for a second yellow card to reduce the home side to 10 men, with over 20 minutes to play. The visitors pressed to take advantage and Burko brought on three substitutes to give them fresh legs. The equaliser came when Jordan Kinoshi capitalised on some hesitation. There was still time for Burko to have a series of shots and corners charged down. Both sides were left puzzled how the referee managed to issue a total of nine yellow cards in a game that was not at all dirty. Bedford stretched their lead at the top to four points with a home win. However, Burko are now 12 points clear of the play-off line and had a chance last night, Tuesday, at Kempston Rovers to stretch that to 15 points with eight games to go. And in golf, at Little Hay Golf Club this week, Paul Butchcoke and Ken Chalk have been crowned 2021 and 2022 Winner League champions with 270 points. With no other team able to improve on their best scores and even with Ken having to play on his own due to Paul testing positive for COVID, their impressive average scoring of 45 points over six rounds saw them hold on to the two-point lead. They won the league by just those two points. Second were Tong Test and Mick Milne on 268 points, and Mick Whelan and Kirk House were third on 259 points. Darren Green won Saturday's Men's March medal, which was played as a Stableford with 24 points, beating Ivan Lawrence on 33 points and Tom Wood, who finished third on 30 points. Tony Granger won the Senior March medal on Thursday, beating Ken Chalk in a card playoff when both finished the competition on net 70, just a shot ahead of John Regwell. Swimming. Berkhamsted Swimming Club members were spread far and wide at the weekend with Tracy van der Venter and Mark Strakosch at the Swim Wales Masters competition in Swansea and Bracknell Masters, respectively. Meanwhile, a group of 17 juniors made the short trip to the Woodside Stadium in Watford for the regional qualifier meet with a host of improved times and medals. Pride of place has to go to Tracy van der Venter, who competed in the 200m fly, 400m IM and 200m free in the Swansea National 50m pool. She came away with three gold medals in the 45 to 49 age group and age group East region records in both the 200m fly and 400m IM, posting 3 minutes 02.85, her second fastest ever LC swim, and 6 minutes 14.44, respectively. She went 2 minutes 35.44 for her 200-metre free as well. The 400-metre IM time means she now holds the records for both the 40-44 to 44 age group, which she set in 2017, and her current age group as well. Strakosch swam six races in two sessions on Saturday, picking up gold in the 100 metre breast, 1 minute 35.55, 50 metre free, 32.58, 200 metre back, 2 minutes 
90 and 100 meter free, 1 minute 10.53, with silvers in the 200 meter free at 2 minute 29.28 and 200 meter breast, 3 minutes 28.25. All six swims were his fastest since returning to competition post the COVID restrictions, which were in place for the last two years. Both the 200 meter back and 100 meter breast were within three seconds of his lifetime personal bests set in 2015 and 2013 respectively. On the basketball court, last weekend saw Vanarama-sponsored Hemel Storm travel north up the M1 to face Bradford Dragons and Team Newcastle University in what was part of an action-packed doubleheader. Saturday's game saw Storm go up against Bradford Dragons. Despite Storm beating them by 19 the week before and leading the majority of the game, a poor last quarter saw Storm collapse at the hands of the Dragons 35-21, eventually losing the game 87-79. Top scorers from Saturday were Sam Newman, 18 points, Taylor Johnson, 17 points, and Greg Polion, 17 points. Sunday's game went down to the last minute, but a good reaction to the disappointing result the day before saw Storm overcome Team Newcastle University 84-80. The game was close throughout, with both teams showing a good defensive display in a low-scoring game. After a 0-14 run in Storm's favour in the last 4 minutes 39 seconds, Storm managed to snatch victory at the hands of Newcastle with an impressive win against a good Division I outfit. Top scorers for this game were Greg Polion with 30 points, 17 rebounds, Sam Newman with 16 points, 6 rebounds and 7 assists, and Taylor Johnson with 14 points and a career-high 15 assists. On the other hand, to give credit where credit is due, Brandon Federici of Team Newcastle University scored an outstanding 37 points, showing his ability inside and outside the three-point arc. And in rugby, Tring RFC were left to rue missed chances in their London and South East Premier Division game with Sidcup at Cow Lane on Saturday losing 27-24, to 24, writes Ted Stanford. They had been looking to revenge the last-minute loss they suffered in East London earlier this season. There was a debut for winger Matt Tricky and a welcome return to the side for Nick Radley in the second row. It had been six weeks since Tring had played at home, but the crowd was in strong voice once again, witnessing two tries for Jack Dudson, one for Alex Harrison, all converted by Ben Hogan, who also kicked a penalty. After some strong carrying by Oliver Beeney and George Carter, Tring were awarded a kickable penalty, which Ben Hogan converted. Minutes later, Richard Beeney pounced on a loose Sidcup pass, offloading to Alex Harrison, who ran from inside his own half, scoring under the posts. Sidcup replied through a pushover try and a penalty kick to come back to 10-8 at half-time. The visitors scored early in the second half to take the lead and extended it with another pushover try. Tring hit back when a subline, sublime, with a sublime pass from Harrison saw substitute Jack Dudson diving over. Tring held their nerve in the red zone to score again, a carbon copy of the try moments before, Harrison releasing Dudson to score his second of the day. However, almost straight from the kickoff, Sidcup retook the lead with the clock in the red. Tring went the length of the pitch through 25 phases of outstanding rugby, but to no avail. This weekend, Tring, in ninth, head to 12th placed Brighton. In the football, Mark Jones believes Hemel Hempstead Town are a team with nothing to lose as they prepare for the toughest of assignments this weekend. The Tudors make the trip to take on Vanarama National League South title contenders Dorking Wanderers on Saturday. Hemel are still hoping to produce a big run of form in a bid to gatecrash the playoffs this season after an impressive turnaround since Jones arrived as manager. But Jones knows his team will have to 
have their work cut out this weekend against a Dorking team who are chasing the sole automatic promotion spot. Wanderers suffered their seventh defeat of the league season last weekend as they went down 3-2 at Dartford but remained top of the table after the setback. Despite guiding Hemel away from the bottom of the table and into a comfort of mid-table since his arrival, Jones admits his team's form against the top teams in the division hasn't been the best, and he believes his team and he believes his players have something of a free hit ahead of them on Saturday. Hemel were without a league game last weekend, having won 2-1 at Welling United in their last outing. But Jones conceded that enforced break wasn't the worst thing for his squad. It's always frustrating to have a bit of a break, but at the same time, I'm not overly disappointed, he added. It's given us a chance to rest a few players up. We have worked very hard over the last few months. The players have given us everything and there has been some tired bodies and two or three injuries as well. Hopefully this break has given us the chance to recharge the batteries and get one or two of the injured boys back. Hemel Rotary supports Boxmoor Trust tree planting for Queen's Green Canopy. Hemel Rotary are very pleased to be able to support the Boxmoor Trust with a donation to enable some trees to be planted on trust land as part of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee 2022 Green Canopy. The Queen's Green Canopy is a unique tree planting initiative created to mark Her Majesty's Platinum Jubilee in 2022 which invites people from across the United Kingdom to plant a tree for the Jubilee. Hemel Rotary President of 2021-22, Martin Horsted, said, Rotary International's new global area of focus is the environment, and with this coinciding with the Queen's Platinum Jubilee Green Canopy this year, we are delighted to be working with the Boxmore Trust on this great initiative. The trees will be a lasting legacy of this special year for all to see on the Boxmoor Trust land. This is just one of many projects that Hemel Hempstead Rotary undertakes in the local community and internationally annually. We need some more members to help us continue this vital work. If you are interested in finding out how you can get involved, please call Tony Ames on 254 479. That's 254 479. The Boxmoor Trust is a registered charity that manages nearly 500 acres of grazing and amenity land on behalf of the local community. Predominantly open access, the land is free to visit and explore and includes woodlands, recreation areas, meadows and a chalk stream. Peter Phillips, trustee, said, the Boxmoor Trust is most grateful to Hemel Rotary for their very generous donation, which has enabled us to plant and nurture these three crimson spire oaks on Heath Park, a prominent location where they can be enjoyed by everyone. The planting of trees on trust land dates back to the late 19th century, when an avenue of horse chestnuts was planted on Blackbirds Moor to commemorate Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee in 1897, so it is wonderful to be able to continue with this historic tradition. We're coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 6.26 and 17.58 hours. For those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open the talking newspaper skill. Alexa will ask you which broadcast you want to listen to. When prompted, reply, play the decorum talking newspaper. This part can be tricky. If Alexa offers the wrong station, just say no and then try again. For those who are listening to this week's news via a memory stick, after the music there is the amenities section that gives details of various groups and the contact details of organisations. 
Please remove your memory stick carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Seal it up firmly, turn the label over and post it back to us using any Royal Mail post box. No stamps required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from all your readers, the editor and Andrew, your technician for this week. Goodbye. <laughs>